Welcome to the first season of Murder in 20 podcast, where I, Bobby Stevens, am your host with a new episode every Wednesday. If you're a serious fan of true crime and love listening to podcasts, but don't want all that small talk, you've come to the right place. We get right to the facts. Murder in 20 episodes are concise and complete in 20 minutes. Less talk and more true crime. Be sure to like, share, and follow us to learn about upcoming episodes every Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in. This is a story of love from three different angles. The love of a young couple exploring the world. The love of a botanist enjoying the rugged outdoors. And the love of violence by two teenage killers. 23-year-old Lucas Fowler had a love for life and an infectious smile. Growing up in a family with three older siblings, he enjoyed camping, the outdoors, and in high school learned mechanics. After graduating, he went backpacking for two years and traveled to Croatia, where he met a beautiful 24-year-old soul named China Dees, who shared his love of adventure. In the fall of 2018, Lucas and China were taking a break from traveling and spending a few months in Charlotte, North Carolina, at China's mother's home in the United States. China had three siblings, and she too was the youngest in her close-knit family. China's mother, Sheila, said Lucas fit right in. In April of 2019, he left on his next adventure that landed him in freezing minus 32-degree weather on a ranch in Hudson's Hope, British Columbia, or BC as it's called, in Canada. When he wasn't working, he spent hours on the phone with China. They were planning their next adventure, driving from Hudson's Hope north to Alaska. Lucas fixed up a blue 1986 Chevy van. Its tinted windows would give Lucas and China a good view of the rugged mountains and wildlife as they drove the remote highways. Sheila drove her daughter to the airport. She's relaxed about China's trip, as her and Lucas have traveled extensively through South America and Bosnia, much more dangerous places to travel than to Alaska. On Saturday, July 6th, China joins Lucas at the ranch. A week later, they're on the road to Alaska. They only have a few weeks as Lucas is returning to work at the ranch in August. Further south and to the west in BC, it's a sleepy summer day in Port Alberni. Cam LeCloud and Barsha Migelski are planning a trip too. They're leaving the small town they've called home for an adventure to the Yukon to find work. They've been friends since childhood and have spent several months working at Walmart saving up for their trip. Port Alberni is a small town of 35,000 people near the center of Vancouver Island. Tourists drive through the town to get to popular Tofino on the island's west coast, where there's miles of sandy beaches and crashing waves that attract surfers from around the world. Had Lucas and China ventured to Tofino, they would have surely fit right in. On Friday, July 12th, the wind is light and the sun has pushed the temperature to the mid-70s, a moderate temperature by Port Alberni standards where it can get up to 95 degrees. Before leaving town, Cam stops at a sporting goods store, then hops in his parents' 1993 red and gray Dodge truck and camper. He's joined by Briar, who's been living with his grandmother for the last two years in her small house just off the busy highway across from a trailer park. Briar tells her they're going to Whitehorse to find work. On their way to the ferry, they stop at a sporting goods store in Nanaimo. After the ferry ride to Vancouver, they drive north towards Whitehorse in the Yukon. On Saturday, Lucas and China reach Fort Nelson and stop for gas. Meanwhile, Cam's girlfriend receives a message from him. Details from CTV News is that she asked Cam 
why he left without telling her. And he responded by text with, Seriously? Sorry, but I'm not coming back. On Sunday, a tourist named Charles Ray is driving near Laird Hot Springs when he notices a broken down blue Chevy van and stops to help. It's Lucas and China, and they tell him they're planning to call a tow truck. Charles leaves, but he's camping five miles away and plans to check on them in the morning. It turns out many travelers stop to offer assistance, including Curtis and Sandra. As Global News reported, they said the pair were happy and smiling and seemed like they had everything under control. They said it was mechanical issues with the van, and they were having a picnic waiting for the van to unflood. Curtis was a mechanic and said he was impressed and confident they were going to be on their way. The couple offered them food and water before driving off. Another witness, a road maintenance worker named Alandra Hall, drove past the van, but she sees something different. She notices a bearded man in the middle of the road, facing a man and woman who are close to the van. They appear to be in an intense conversation. That is the last reported sighting from witnesses. The Vancouver Sun reported that the next morning a truck driver spots two bodies in a ditch, close to a van on the side of the highway. He stops. Their bodies are cold. He notices the side doors of the van are open and the back window is shattered. A lander who'd spotted the couple the night before asked a co-worker to drive by and check on the couple. When he arrives, he sees the distraught truck driver directing traffic. Two tourists have also stopped and note that the two bodies are face down, with their hands loose at their sides. Lucas was 23, and China, 24. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police, or RCMP for short, arrive at 9.15am and discover footprints leading from the van. Inside, they find China's cell phone and credit card. That evening, Cam texts his family that he's in Whitehorse, but Briar tells his grandmother Whitehorse wasn't what they expected. No one knows what the boys have planned or where they're headed. On Wednesday, 54-year-old Ken Albertson is tired. He's been driving for 15 hours and is returning home to Palmer, Alaska. It was just before midnight at dusk. He pulls over to a pull on the highway to take a nap. As Ken tells CBC News, he had just crawled into the back seat and taken his jeans off to lie down when he sees a truck drive past him, then pull over, and it stops about 100 feet in front of his truck. Ken, who is a photographer, has a keen eye, and he spots a tall, skinny man get out of the passenger door, and he appears to be holding a long gun. Ken starts to feel uneasy. The truck started to pull away, and the skinny man walks towards the tree line, where he assumes a hunting stance and slowly begins approaching Ken's vehicle. And I quote, As the gunman neared, the same pickup truck returned and began slowly blocking my exit. At that point, I realized that this feels like an ambush. If I don't take action immediately, I'm going to get blocked in. Ken leapt over the back seat in his underwear, turns the key, puts the truck in drive, and speeds away. He doesn't know it, but he just saved his life. That same day, police released a statement saying that Lucas and China's deaths are considered suspicious. The next day, on July 15th, Cam and Briar are still on Whitehorse. They purchase a five-gallon red plastic jerry can used for gas. Briar texts his mom at 7.45 p.m., but we don't know what his message says. Two days later, Cam contacts his family and someone deposits money into his bank account. How much and who made the deposit are unknown. 
On Thursday, 1,700 miles south as the crow flies, Leonard Dick, or Len as he's known, is leaving his home in Vancouver for a solo camping trip in northern B.C. CBC News reported that Lennon often chose to camp in rugged parts along the Oregon coast and deep into the B.C. wilderness, sometimes with his family, sometimes alone. He liked it either way. Lennon, 64, is a family man whose first love is his wife, Helen, and his two children. His second love is botany. He's an outdoorsman who friends say is profoundly engrossed with nature and the study of plants. He's a university lecturer who, over 30 years, earned a degree in marine biology and a master's and Ph.D. both in botany. Len packs up his gray 2011 Toyota RAV4 and heads out on a road trip to watch grizzlies in northern B.C. He tells his wife he'll be back in six days on July 24th. He texts her later that day and again the following day. It will be the last time Helen hears from her husband. Meanwhile, Cam and Briar have made their way to Jade City in B.C. and stop at a store for free coffee. They continue driving south and are spotted at a general store in East Lake when Briar purchases gas. Early the next morning on Friday, July 19th, the East Lake RCMP receive a call about a pickup truck on fire along Highway 37. They arrive at the scene within an hour and see no bodies. Although the flames have died down, the vehicle was still smoldering. The truck turns out to be a Dodge pickup. Its burnt-out shell appears gray except for faint red paint on the hood. As the RCMP constable is about to drive south, a road worker pulls over to tell him he's just seen a dead man at the highway pull-out about a mile and a half down the road. The constable and the worker drive to the pull-out. They see the body of a middle-aged man lying in a pool of blood. They find zap straps and a shell casing near the body. A couple hours later, the constable is told by two highway maintenance workers that they dealt with a garbage can fire the night before, not far from the murder scene. That afternoon, while the constable was still at the murder scene, a witness stops to say that there was a bathroom nearby at the river, covered in blood. Police find large blood drops on the floor and interior walls. One body? Four crime scenes? Are they all related? Police obtain a search warrant for the burned-out pickup, and through its insurance they learn it belongs to Cam's parents. July 21st was the first inclination the public had that anything was wrong. TV, radio, newspapers, and social media, all reporting two teenagers in Port Alberni, are missing on a trip to the Yukon. Now, calling Vancouver Island home, I was immediately immersed in the case. Everyone on the island was hanging on to every thread of news and hoping they'd be found safe. Then there's word they've been spotted at a gas station in Orange, Saskatchewan. The boys are headed east across Canada. Soon another sighting puts them in Manitoba, where Cam and Briar drove through an alcohol checkpoint and were stopped by Split Lake First Nations safety officers. They didn't know the boys were considered missing and allowed them to continue driving. On Monday, police talked to Cam's parents. They learned that they have hunted before. Briar's father, Alish Migelski, tells the media, his son was experienced in the outdoors. In fact, the boy spent months in the bush around Port Alberni. Police confirmed that the dead man found near the truck was not Cam or Briar. The mystery deepens. Who is this man? Police announce that death is considered suspicious and release a sketch of a white man between 50 and 60 years old, 5'8 to 5'10, with a receding hairline, thinning gray hair, and a bushy gray beard. Helen Dick sees a sketch of the unidentified man and contacts police. 
Through the media, police reach out to Cam and Breyer and say that it's possible they're in an area without cell coverage and ask them to contact them to let them know they're okay. Within hours, media reports are updated. Cam and Breyer, who were first thought to be missing, are now considered murdered suspects and wanted for questioning the deaths of Lucas, China, and Len. It's thought that the traveling and Len's stolen Toyota RAV4 Police obtained security footage of Cam and Briar from a co-op gas station in Meadow Lake, Saskatchewan, from the day before. A public alert is issued with a photo of Cam and Briar. The photo shows Cam with a beard and a mustache. Briar is dressed in a camouflage shirt and clean-shaven. 11.30 News reported that police have said they may have changed their appearance, and they're considered armed and extremely dangerous. At this point, the news coming out is changing by the minute. RCMP police released a statement through Twitter, and I quote, We are asking the public that if you spot Cam McLeod or Briar Shmigelski, to consider them as dangerous. Take no actions, do not approach, and call 911 immediately. Lucas's father, Stephen, who is a chief inspector with the New South Wales Police Force in Australia, comes to Canada to bring his son home. He tells the media that the deaths of his son and his girlfriend is a tragic end to a love story between the inseparable couple. Lucas was having the time of his life, and the family was overjoyed when he met China. Police released a composite sketch of the bearded man, Alandra Hall, while speaking to Lucas and China the evening before their murders. A young white man wearing a hat with a brim over his eyes, a beard, and a mustache. Police also released video of Lucas and China's stop at the gas station Fort Nelson on July 13th. In it, we see Lucas pumping gas as China cleans the windows. Then the two share a sweet embrace. China is standing on the raised platform by the gas pump, her arms wrapped around Lucas's neck. Then he heads for the driver's door, and she heads to the passenger side. Briar's father, Alan, tells Czech News that the teens consider themselves survivalists. They like to go into the woods and play war and are trained in camouflage. If there's any hope Briar and Cam are alive, it's because... They know how to hide. Police have now released a photo of Len's Toyota RAV4 that Cam and Briar are believed to be driving. On Tuesday, police visit the Cassier Mountain Jade store and obtain video of Cam and Briar. Cam's father tells CBC News that his son is a kind, considerate, caring young man, always concerned about other people's feelings. And we hope that Cam will come home to us safely so that we can get to the bottom of the story. Briar's father, Alan, tells the Canadian press that his son had a troubled upbringing. He struggled with his parents' divorce, and in 2005, his main influences became video games and YouTube. And he goes on to say his son is in very serious pain. A normal child doesn't travel across the country killing people, and that he expects his son will die in a confrontation with the police. He's on a suicide mission. He wants his pain to end. The next day, police confirmed that Gillam RCMP in northern Manitoba got a report of a vehicle fire in a remote location, and they confirm it's a RAV4 belonging to Leonard Dick. Canada-wide warrants are issued for the arrest of Cam and Briar. Over the next few days, multiple sightings come into police. Some are verified while others are ruled out. They continue to focus on the area around Gillam, which ABC News describes as an unforgiving wilderness and unlikely location for two teenagers without serious training to be able to survive for long. 
The thick bush around it is swampy and filled with bears and bugs. The ground gives way under your feet as you walk, and locals say quicksand like terrain is not uncommon. The police investigation has revealed that on the day Cam and Briar left Port Alberni, Cam purchased two Soviet SKS semi-automatic rifles and ammunition. His first purchase was at a local store in Port Alberni. His second purchase at a Cabala sporting goods store in Nanaimo. They headed straight to the firearms department and Cam purchased a brand new rifle, two magazines, and 20 rounds of ammunition. Store video shows Cam and Briar leaving the store. Cam is in the lead with a gun in a box tucked under his right arm and Briar following a few feet behind. Meanwhile in Manitoba, the RCMP have brought in the military. The Canadian Armed Forces supply two aircraft and personnel to join the manhunt for the teenage killers. Police find dozens of unspent rounds of ammunition on the ground near Lensburn Out Rav 4. A few days later, police find Cam's backpack with clothing, his wallet, and ammunition. On August 2nd, police discover a damaged aluminum boat on the Nelson River, not far from Gillam. The two sidewalls are bent outward, appearing the boat buckled. RCP bring in a dive team and search the water, but they don't find any evidence or the boys. Another two days goes by, and police discover items belonging to Cam Briar, but they're not saying what those items are. On Wednesday, August 7th, the police locate two bodies believed to be Cam and Briar. They're lying in dense bush only five miles from the burned-out RAV-4. Near their bodies are the two SKS rifles. Ballistics tests later confirmed they were the guns and ammunition used to kill Lucas, China, and Len. Autopsies of Cam and Briar reveal they had been dead for several days. It is believed that she had a suicide pact and that Cam shot Briar first, then shot himself. Their reign of terror had ended. The killers had stolen a digital camera from Len, and police found disturbing photos and videos, which Czech News provided details of. In one video, the killers have plans to kill more people and expect to be dead in a week. The two confess to the murders in a cold manner. In another, they say their plan is to hijack a boat and travel to Europe or Africa. Another has them saying they've reached a river that is large and fast-moving and may have to commit suicide. The next video says they have shaved in preparation for their own deaths, but they also state that they still plan to kill more people. In their final video, they describe their last will and testament and express their wish to be cremated. None of the videos are time-stamped. After their death, details were released about the evidence police had found and how quickly they were able to tie Cam and Briar to the murders. Czech News later reported that the ammunition matching the shots that killed Lucas in China was found at the boys' burned-out truck. Police also found the nozzle from the jerry can they'd bought in Whitehorse at the truck. And on July 22nd, a witness that knew Cam and Briar contacted the RCMP, stating that they believed the boys may have been involved in the murders. Police have never revealed who that witness is. It was determined that Lucas and China had gunshot entry wounds on both the front and backs of their bodies, and a number of bullets were found lodged in the bloody dirt beneath them, an indication that the assault had continued as the couple lay helpless on the ground. It was also revealed that near Len's body was Cam's SIM card from his cell phone. An autopsy confirmed Len died from injuries inflicted from an edged weapon and a gunshot wound from Cam's SKS rifle. And at the garbage can fire, police found Cam's employee ID from Walmart. 
As of this writing, it is now the first anniversary of the murders of Lucas China and Len. Ed Grennan, a truck driver from Whitehorse who lost his own daughter, felt the need to place a memorial along the Alaskan Highway for Lucas and China. He placed an Australian flag for Lucas and an American flag for China. Over time, it has grown with handwritten notes, a cross, and photos of the happy couple. CBC News talked with China's mother, Sheila, and discovered that her and Ed have had numerous conversations over the past year, and they have spoken about the possibility of her coming to visit the memorial in person. And Sheila says, I'll join him, but not yet. One day, I want to come to Canada. I want to see what she saw. Thanks for listening to the Murder in 20 podcast with less talk and more true crime. Be sure to tune in next Wednesday for the episode of Abraham Shakespeare, who won $30 million in the Florida lottery. Then he met con artist D.D. Moore, who killed him for his money. Then she wrote a letter to his mother, pretending to be him. Problem was, Abraham's mother knew he didn't write that letter. Abraham could barely read and write. If you're dying to hear more, past episodes of Murder in 20 are available for free at murderin20.com and on all major podcast platforms. We love what we do and are dying to continue. If you enjoy listening to Murder in 20 every week, we'd be eternally grateful for your support by visiting Murder in 20 at Patreon, PayPal, or murderin20.com. We'd like to acknowledge Purple Planet for use of their music sound effects from Vaseline Studios and Quick Sounds, and our many editorial sources who are listed on our website. Be sure to like, share, and follow us to learn about upcoming episodes every Wednesday. Stay safe, sleep with the lights on, and don't play with strangers.